Hello there, and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. I'm happy that you've taken time out of your day to download our podcast and listen to it. It is our hope and prayer that you will enjoy it, you will be edified, and you will grow closer to Christ. We also would like to encourage you to, to share us with your friends and family, to make sure you follow us on your favorite app, and when we release a new podcast, you can get an alert. We also have a webpage I'd encourage you to go to at biblicalquestion.com, all lowercase in one word. And there you can find out more about us, our statement of faith, and you can listen to the podcast there, obviously. But you can also send prayer requests. And uh, if you're a prayer warrior, I'd encourage you to go there. We do have a few people who have requested uh, prayers, and we'd love you to pray for them. Had a request to kind of talk about grace again, so this I guess we'll do that today. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about grace taught my heart to fear, and I want to read here at Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. It says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. You know, many people are, are very superstitious. They collect rabbit's feet. one of the big things. I know when I was a kid, everybody seemed to want one hanging off their keychain. Uh, they'll put up a horseshoe upside down to, to collect all the good luck. And they will avoid various things like black cats, uh, don't let them walk in front, walking under ladders, and so on. But one of the most famous fears that people have at least in the United States anyway, is Friday the 13th. It is considered an unlucky day uh, because down through the ages, the Fridays and the number 13 have uh, been regarded as uh, being uh, some kind of ill omen or something along that line. The number 13, for example, the Turks so disliked that number, they have practically removed it from uh, their vocabulary. Many uh, cities do not have 13th Street or 13th Avenue. Many buildings do not have the 13th floor. As for the fear of, of Friday, old wise tales say that, that you should never change your bed on Friday because it will bring, uh, bring bad dreams. Uh, never start a trip on Friday or you will have misfortune. If you cut your nails on Friday, you'll cut them for sorrow. Ships that set sail on Friday will have bad luck. You put all two together, Friday and the number 13, and you can end up with a whole bunch of people who are actually afraid of that date on the calendar. And that information comes from a man by the name of Dr. Donald Dossey. He's some kind of a psychotherapist, and he specializes in the treatment of phobias and estimates that 21 million of the people in America are frightened of Friday the 13th. Well, people can really become afraid of the strangest things. And, you know, the Bible tells us that we really shouldn't be afraid uh, of the world or people. 365 times in the Bible, God tells us, do not fear, or something like, fear not. Something along those lines. 365 times. You know, folks, that's, that's one time for every day of the year. Psalm 118, verse 6. I hope you have a Bible and would like to take notes and follow along. It would be good. Uh, Psalm 118, verse 6 says, 
The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now, because this is true, many have gotten uh, the mistaken impression that God does not endorse fear. That God would never want us to be afraid of anything. Well, I don't know if that's completely a true statement. In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 says, The conclusion, when all has been heard, is, Fear God and keep His commandments, because this applies to every person. I know some listeners might say, well, that's all Old Testament. Well, listen to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Do not fear those who can kill the body, but are able to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You know, this concept of fear in God is, is very real to John Newton. And he would write the song, Amazing Grace. He included uh, this verse in his song. It says, It was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Before he became a preacher, John Newton was really a rather wicked man. If there was something evil he could do, that he'd go figure out a way to do it. And he did it. In fact, his wickedness was so obvious when his ship, uh, called the Greyhound, uh, was caught in a terrible storm at sea, the captain seriously suggested throwing him overboard, kind of like Jonah, because he believed Newton's uh, wickedness had the cause of all their misery and why they were in trouble. During the nine terrifying hours of this storm on this, on this ship, had everyone, including Newton, praying. John Newton would be quoting the saying, I concluded my sins were too great to be forgiven. I waited with fear and impatience to receive my doom. See, Newton was afraid. And he later came to believe that his fear was God's tool to get his attention. It was grace that taught my heart to fear. John Newton believed God had to bring him to his knees in fear before he could ever give his life to Christ. And once he surrendered and he gave his life to Jesus, he became a fireball. And he was determined and focused and unstoppable. According to one writer to the London's Smart Society, John Newton was an evangelical, but the worst kind. He was a fanatic who denounced all self-indulgence pleasures that society loved the most. And that comes from Focus on the Family. Uh, Paul McCuster, I believe is how he pronounces his name. But Newton didn't care. Uh, he did not care uh, what they thought. He was not in love with the world around him. He was in love with Jesus. He got that way because it was grace 
that taught his heart to fear. In Acts chapter 9, it tells us of a, of a similar story of a man named Saul. We know him as the Apostle Paul. But Saul was a very righteous Pharisee who had, who had been responsible for the death of the first Christian martyr uh, to die for the faith, and that would be Stephen. Saul became a fanatic in his opposition to the church. He hated the name of Jesus, and he hated anyone who belonged to our Lord. And by the time we get to Acts chapter 9, Saul has obtained letters from the authority of the Sanhedrin, and he's on his way to Damascus with an armed guard, and he's determined to arrest any Christian he can find there. And he brings them back in chains. That was his goal. And that's what he had done to the Christians in Jerusalem. And when Jesus would step in, he would bring Saul to his knees. Read with me, if you would, in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 3. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approached, approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? In verse 5. And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. So for three days, Saul, he sits in uh, this house in, in Damascus, and he's waiting for the messenger that Jesus had promised him uh, that would come. For three days, he is blind, and I get the impression he's almost really sitting alone in this room, he, and he's fasting and he's praying. Now tell me, do you think Saul was a little bit afraid? You better believe it. I believe that he was. I mean, here he is, a very powerful man, uh, very well recognized uh, as a leader in the Jewish community. And now he's been stricken with blindness. And he's been told why he got stricken with his blindness. Because he's been persecuting Jesus. And Jesus is going to let him sit on it for three days and kind of think about it. I suspect there was times in those three days that Saul, kind of like Newton, probably thought, my sins are too great to be forgiven. I waited with fear and impatience to receive my doom. You see, it was grace that taught Saul's heart to fear. When Ananias would come to him and explain to him how much God really loved him, and Saul was baptized into Christ, he accepted Jesus' grace, and you can read from that day forward, Saul was determined, he was focused, and he was unstoppable. Acts chapter 9. Let's pick up down in verse 20. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. All those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, Is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name? and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them and bound them before the chief priest 
verse 22. But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by providing and proving that this Jesus is the Christ. And when many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. You see, there's people that, that became annoyed with him and, and really didn't like him. But Saul, I don't think he really cared. Because you know what? He didn't love the world. He, he loved Jesus. And he had found the truth and discovered it. And he was going to do everything he could to tell others about Christ. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, Inasmuch as it appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. See, it's grace that can teach our heart to fear. And it is also grace that will teach us to repent. For the rest of his life, Paul, just like John Newton, he did not care what the world thought about what he had preached. He was not afraid of, of what they could do to him. But why? Just a few days before this, Paul sat in a lonely room. He was fasting and he was praying totally afraid of the judgment of God that he knew he deserved. But now he does not seem to be afraid of anything. So what happened? Two things come to mind. The first thing is this. The fear of God gave him the courage to confront any fear of man. It is knowing God is with us that gives us our courage and helps us to overcome our fears. And secondly, Paul was not afraid because now he was no longer under judgment. While visiting some high school kids, a, a preacher told him that they could ask him anything they liked and he would try to answer them. And toward the end of the session, one girl challenged him with this comment. The Bible says God loves everybody. And then it says, God sends people to hell. How can a loving God do that? That began a debate between the girl and the preacher, and he began to realize that he was arguing with her more than just trying to help her. So he stopped, and he says, Look, young lady, I, I owe you an apology. I really should not have allowed our discussion to become so argumentative. May I share something with you? He asked, and she said, yes. So he took her through a basic presentation of the gospel. And when I got to Romans chapter 3, verse 23, and showed her all of us were sinners, she began to cry. It was then this high school senior girl, she admitted she was, had been involved with a serious sin, the one thing she really, truly needed was forgiveness. You know, we told her about the good news of Jesus, and she said that she was ready to, to make a decision to become a Christian, and with that understanding, she could no longer continue to live in the sin that she was committing. She was willing to do what was right. The reason she did not believe in hell was because, deep down, she admits later, that she knew she was going there. In her heart, she knew she had sinned, and her conscience had condemned her. But rather, face the fact of her guilt, she just simply 
did everything she could in her own mind to deny any future judgment or any future of hell. She knew and she understood that she was under this condemnation. And she knew it and she verbally admitted to that. But Paul tells us we are truly forgiven by Christ for those who are truly in the light of Christ. In Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, it says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. You remember John Newton, he wrote, It was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. Just like it says here in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the free gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. You see, listeners, you and I, we, we cannot earn our salvation. We cannot buy our salvation. You and I cannot do good enough to deserve it. And God saves us because of His grace. We need to come into this understanding that God's grace is a free gift and He wants every one of us to be saved from hell. He's offered an avenue and a path to be able to, to become a child of God by walking in the light. You know, we, we have to know who Jesus is. We need to believe in Him. and We need to stop sinning. We need to pray about it and confess to God and, and ask Him for help to overcome sin. Because you and I cannot defeat sin alone. We, we are too weak on our own two feet. We just can't do it. But God can. And He's the greatest warrior. And I want Him fighting my battle for me. And I want Him leading uh, my life. You see, God and grace can teach our hearts to fear, but ultimately it's His grace that can relieve our hearts from the fear of judgment. Scripture says there will be a time of final judgment, but His grace can remove any fear of that judgment. It's His grace that can cleanse our sins away by using the blood of Christ from the cross. In a college class, a teacher came in and and said that he would review with the class for just a little bit before the, a test. And they went into the review, and, and most of it was right on the study guide. But there were some things he was reviewing that they had never heard of. When questioned about it, he said, Well, they were in the book, and the students were responsible for reading everything in the textbook. And finally, it was time to take the test. And the professor instructed them. He says, quote, Lead them the test face down on the desk until everyone has one and I tell you to start. And when they turned over uh, the, the test, every answer was on the test was filled in. And the bottom of the page said the following. This is the end of the final exam. All the answers on your test are correct. You will receive an A on the final exam. 
The reason you pass the test is because the creator of the test took it for you. And all the work you did in preparation for this test did not help you get the A. You, class, have just experienced grace. You see, grace is a free gift from God. And without grace, we would have not have Christ, we would not have baptism, we would not have the scriptures. Without grace, there would be no salvation. Without grace... We wouldn't even be able to breathe the air that's around us. I certainly hope, if you're really not a Christian and you're listening, I certainly hope that you would find a, a, a God-fearing church that teaches the complete Word of God. I know you hear me say that almost every podcast. And there's a reason I say that. There are so many groups out there that all they might teach is grace. And grace is good. It is a biblical topic. And there's others that will teach nothing about immersion or baptism. And there's others that will only teach about the Antichrist. I could go on and on with the list. All those are biblical topics that all of them need to be taught and learned to make us a complete, whole Christian. Well-rounded. That only way we're going to know what God expects of us how we can overcome and conquer is to know what the Bible says about all these topics. There's great examples of the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. And when people say there was no grace in the Old Testament, they've never really studied the Old Testament. Let me give you two quick examples, and then we'll close the podcast. One is grace is in, in Genesis, where Adam and Eve uh, sinned. And God has told them, if you eat this fruit, you will surely die. Well, they will die physically at some point. Because when they eat, God will tell them they will be thrown out of the garden. And now they're going to have to to fight different things that they had never fought before, like stickers and weeds or whatever. And that's the consequences of their sin. Ease, childbirthing will be stronger and labor pains. But God doesn't strike them dead at that moment. What about David? King David. Under the Jewish law, he deserved to be stoned to death for his adulterous affair with another man's wife. And he confesses. He, he comes right out and says, I deserve to die. But God said no. Now there was, again, there was consequences to King David. But because King David repented and confessed his sin... In light of the cross, God could forgive him. Moses is another example. I mean, he committed murder. So did King David commit murder. And those people are forgiven. I'm not justifying their sin at all. Please understand that. It's a serious thing what they do when you take somebody else's life. But there is forgiveness. And from this point forward, we, we need to do everything that we can to walk in Christ's life to tell others about the gospel. And folks, we live in such a pagan society anymore in the culture here in the United States. And I've been in other countries, third world countries. They're hungry for the gospel. They want to know what the gospel says. And we need to have that hunger back in the, in America. We need to, to turn back and ask God for grace and forgiveness of the sins of this country is committed against him. But not only the country, but us as individuals. 
We all need God's grace. We all need His forgiveness and cleansing. Well, next week we'll pick up a different topic besides grace. I certainly hope, uh, like I said last week, grace is a very deep subject. It can be misused and misunderstood. Uh, but I'm very thankful for grace. And we all need to be thankful for grace. Again, thank you for listening. I encourage you again to go to our webpage. I pray for this podcast as many, half of our listening audience, sometimes more a week. It comes from third world countries. Uh, they all apparently download them at the uh, internet cafes and things. One email said that they appreciated that. Uh, many of these are Muslim countries, dominantly Muslim as well. And so I know they're taking chances to, to listen. So please, please pray for these people. And uh, please tune in again next week. Make sure you like us and follow us on your uh, social media apps. Uh, your, we have LinkedIn and Twitter. Please follow us on those uh, as well. And check out our webpage again at biblicalquestion.com, all lowercase, one word. Again, may God bless you, and may He have the glory. Thank you.